All right. So Mother's Day wasn't that long ago. And uh, <laughs> I was just curious. Well, it was, a, it was a good day for me, but I just wanted to tell you something. Why are you laughing? Are, do you think Mother's Day is a joke? No, but... Uh, a lot of people, this is really important holiday for okay, them. Okay, you're right. It is. I actually realized how much I don't... Uh, it was exhausting. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of share a little bit of perspective here. <laughs> okay. You know what happens? I bet a lot of moms are like, oh, I heard from all of my children. Well, when there's five of them, I'm telling you what, they interrupted so many things. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, just, I like just arrived at my sister-in-law's house for like the big food and the mm-hmm. banquet. And we were just like, the food is simmering and I'm just, and who calls? And well, call one of the in. boys. And I'm like, and guess what? Talked to me for 30 whole minutes. By the time I sat down at that table. Yeah. I always think about so that with birthdays, yeah. how you get all the messages from everyone. Yeah. It's like. All so well intentioned, and I'm so happy to get I a message. Too. But also, like, exhausted. no, I can't talk I to everyone. Too. You always wonder, like, should I message someone, or is it I just going to bombard their right. day? <laughs> I don't want to bomb because I know how I feel. But the truth is, the truth is, what I've been pissed if I hadn't heard from all my kids. Yes. Yes. See? Walking contradiction. <laughs> I know. And then, sure enough, we sat down for dessert, and kid, kid number four or three, or I don't remember which one. Four. No, three. Two. <laughs> And we talked for a while too. So well, see what I'm confused about is we're in the stage where <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, I've got my mom and then I'm married to a mom and then I've got a kid that still needs direction on how to celebrate the mom. So like, which mom are we celebrating? Oh God, here? Yeah, that's so, we go up, we go down, yeah. we go over. So this year I decided to just be all in. And what we yeah. did was with my daughter, we, we both wrote in like five different cards yeah. and one was like, to my mom from her and one was to her mom and one was from me <laughs> yeah. to Ashley, who was a mom. And it was just nice. like, we're just doing a whole bunch of cards. Yeah. We'll all sign them all yeah. and everyone will be happy. You you did a nice job. It actually worked. Yeah, it, worked it was there. good. <laughs> well, one funny thing, and maybe actually it might not be funny. Can I try to tell you if it's sure. funny? Or it was, how about this? Not funny. It was interesting. I'll pretend laugh. Okay. Thank you. Can you guys get on the mic too? We'll have a <laughs> chorus of laughter. <laughs> no. Now, we won't add any special effects. It was how it, I'm going to take away the word funny. Interesting. Mm, mm. Noah, mm-hmm. I was FaceTiming him and I didn't have my glasses on. And the whole time he could not figure out what, what was what was different. Like he was like, why do you? And finally he goes, what's the matter? He goes, why do you look so different? What? And I was like, oh, I have my glasses. So he goes, put them back on. <laughs> <laughs> No, I that said is it funny. was interesting. Yeah. Not funny. We're like, I, I feel like sometimes I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And it's yeah, not, no. it's not like funny, but it's yeah. funny. Yeah, like it it's just maybe ironic. I don't know. I had this problem when I first got married. <laughs> so to all my guys out there, I, I was, I just still don't know if I understand it. When things are cute, like, she would say that's cute, <laughs> meaning like that's funny or that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the transition period of like, what does that mean? Why are you saying that's cute? <laughs> that's f- You're not talking about how mm-hmm. it looks. Do you re- do you remember thinking this? I don't know if it was cute. There was one other word that was similar, uh, but it's along the lines of cute. I'm like, what do you mean? No, it's not. That. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was just yeah. genuinely confused for a while. Like, yeah. Wait, what do you mean that's cute? I don't get it. Because cute it, isn't a word. <laughs> yeah, it like took a while. I mean, I've to never heard you that. say that's cute. <laughs> I just hear like, cute. It's like that's patronizing. Yeah. it's like oh, that's cute. Like you're you're just mocking. <laughs> is yeah. what I thought. I think at first. Yeah. 
Well, actually, one more interesting observation there is I do remember my mom. So, you know, it was the when I was a kid, it was the 70s. So the cord phone, my mom would be talking to her friends. You know, you're watching your mom because there's nothing else to do in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember she would say with no emotion at all, that's hysterical. (laughs) And I would be thinking, why is she not? Cracking. I actually remember thinking it doesn't look hysterical, but she would use that word all the time with a straight face. Interesting observation. Now I do it all the time and I totally get it. Yeah, I do things (laughs) like that. That's funny. Anyway, (laughs) Joe, you just did it. (laughs) Oh, that was cute. Were you just trying to make me feel better? No. No. (laughs) Well, I'm going to move on to a shout out. Is that all right if I move past that? Yeah. I want to give a shout out to one of my clients who was feeling overwhelmed by combining two teams. So she had this one team where they are big fans of hers already. Then she moved over and this person to the left left the team. So now she has to bring two teams together, right? We've dealt with this before. Mm -hmm. It's not easy because they're big fans of whoever it was that left. We were coaching through that issue being so difficult. And I heard her say words like this. Everyone hates me. Everyone on that team hates me. And I challenged her and I, the shout out is because she pushed herself to narrow it down to actually one person. Mm, Yeah. And she talked through a strategy on how to talk to that one person. But you know how it is. If that one person is really allowed a big voice, it feels like everyone. Yeah. But in reality, it wasn't everyone. It was one person that she had to begin to change the the relationship and figure out what the strategic conversation was. So I'm just proud of her for opening and opening up that conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. And then being able to recognize that it was just one person. And I thought it was a good shout out because I think a lot of us do it. I know I do it in my life sometimes where I will say, I will generalize something to me. Like, it's like saying you have a million things to do. It's like that. Yeah. And and it's one of those, like you, you generalize enough and you start to believe that as the true narrative, (laughs) right? right. the Mm -hmm. whole kind of, Mm-hmm. saying it makes you believe it. Yeah. It was a great coaching conversation. That's really cool. All right. Personality myth, which I uh, brought to the table. This one, I, have you had this one? I'm just going to say it first. Your personality t- dictates whether you can be a leader or not. Well, yes and no. I think I heard that more in the past and I think it's been debunked enough now like i i don't know why but i haven't heard it in a while should i not talk about it <laughs> i'm just saying if I it's already debunked let's just move on you know you're kind of just <laughs> beating true. a dead horse here sunday no I, I just haven't heard anyone struggle yeah. with that in a while have well, you if any how about this if there are any if there are any listeners <laughs> struggling with the fact that <laughs> they they believe that certain personality types can be leaders. Well, they shouldn't be because they... everyone's over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like such a jerk. <laughs> it wasn't jerky at all. That it is. It's a bit of a myth. Not. It's not a bit. It's a myth. No, I do think it's a good one because maybe it's just different personality aspects have have shifted. In the past, it was more like, oh, well, you have to be loud to be a leader. You have mm-hmm. to be decisive to be a leader, and mm-hmm. everyone knows that's not a mm-hmm. thing. But. Are there other aspects? Like, is it something you were hearing come up or? I think specifically because I'm certified in Myers-Briggs, I had a lot of people believe that and still do, believe it or not, Steve, that there are certain types that definitely are. Uh And I know that 
I get a lot of, if you're a Myers-Briggs person, you look at the last letter with the J and the P. Yeah. That the J's tend to be, they tend to be more organized. That's how they see them and P's tend to be like, you know, free spirits. Uh So they think that that's going to typecast them into being a good leader or not. Hmm. And, oh man, not the case at all. I've seen, I I believe any human being can be a leader if they want to. And the truth is everyone is a leader to some extent because someone's always following them underneath them in one, wherever they are in life. So I guess it just... Not to read. Well, you and I have talked about this too, Jacqueline. Like a lot of times in general, people typecast personalities and that's what we don't want to do. But we definitely have had a lot. I've had a lot of people say it doesn't mean I can or cannot be a leader. Yeah. The, it's making me think the angle of it I've maybe had more conversation around recently is the the definition of leader mm-hmm. being still in a lot of people's minds, like the executive that's climbed the ladder. Yeah. And I will say... I, I coach a lot of leaders who struggle with this one because they everyone under them thinks they have what it takes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, actually, that's not true. Like a mm-hmm. lot of people don't. Most people are not wired to be a corporate executive. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's just reality. But like that doesn't mean they can't lead in other other versions of a leader. Mm-hmm. Um so Ashley's a great example. She runs a business right now and she leads every day. Mm-hmm. She was never <laughs> not interested, but never like wired to be like a corporate executive. Right. No way. There's so many reasons why it wouldn't work and she'd burn out. But like, that doesn't mean she's not a leader in different So she found the right place to be a leader. I, I, I'm just saying like, there's more definitions of leader yes. than just a corporate C-suite executive, which uh, I think yeah. in the past is how that word was, how this discussion framed it. Yeah. Like but, yeah. you had to be super decisive and mm-hmm. super like whatever. Mm-hmm. to be a corporate executive. Mm-hmm. All right. So I've been doing a series on Gen Z and I did a part one on just understanding Gen Z. And then part two, I've talked about what what it is that they bring to the workplace. And this one is part three uh, for a, mostly because of our managers have been requesting how to manage Gen Z. So I put together some thoughts on it so that we have something tangible to, to focus on. Now, I'm going to start with what not to do, what not to do. But I really did reference a lot of these in episode two, but this is what happens. What not to do is to micromanage them, get more rigid and structured in their work days, and to make assumptions. So so three things really not to do. The make assumptions one is really about, well, like any human being, honestly, don't mm-hmm. assume anything about anyone until you've truly gotten to know that human being. I mean, I want to be taken that way don't you yeah I, mean, I don't want you to assume something about me because i'm tall yeah <laughs> yeah you know and so don't make assumptions because they're from a certain generation that they're going to be a certain way mm-hmm. get to know them as a person yeah first of all they hate it they hate that too and then the first two are just they're no-brainers it's just that isn't it interesting that when we get stressed out sometimes we we push harder on the micromanaging and we push harder on the rigid and rigid and structured because mm-hmm. it's how we feel like we can get in, in control. control. Yeah. And just doesn't work well. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work there. It's in fact, the opposite is what I would recommend to do uh-huh. right there. So just narrowing it down to those three things. So let's talk a little bit about what to do. I actually, the first one is to lean into curiosity. Mm-hmm. First of all, I say these things like they're new concepts, but they're not new concepts. We all love for people to lean into curiosity. But what I mean by them is to get curious about them as an individual and not assume that I'm that the way that they're responding to me or communicating with me is bad or good. 
Uh-huh. It says it says no. Get curious. Curious. They love to talk about what they value. They mm-hmm. love to talk about themselves. But who doesn't? What generation doesn't like to talk about themselves? Right. So when you're managing them, just lean into curiosity. So if you find that they're, we remember in our first episode we talked about how sometimes when the stress hits their generation, that they can either get really loud or disappear. Mm-hmm. That that middle ground is sometimes the thing that they're struggling with. If you're sensing that there's something that they're struggling with, and there's a chance that they could shut down, lean into curiosity. Just say, hey, let's have a conversation about that before the snap, before the fear of what should I do with this feeling and emotion. And I think that's one kind of cool way that uh, managers can, I don't know, serve them well, help because of the other thing we talked about in episode, the first part of the series was how um, because of growing up on technology and stuff, like a face-to-face discussion, bringing up something that has any tension like that can be really difficult for a Gen Z is maybe you can help by being the one to bring it up. Mm-hmm. You can, you can. Yeah. Cause they're going to struggle sometimes bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's funny. Cause it actually leans a little into the caring part, mm-hmm. which is number two. So curiosity ones like learn about them, try to find what motivates them and why they're struggling with something. But in the caring part is, have you noticed, I mean, I love it. But when I was growing up and out of college, it felt like it was really hard to find any manager that was comfortable being, I'm going to do quotes, human. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. My well, mind that's why was like, the- <laughs> Office Space became the biggest hit movie because it just so well captured some of that. Some of the human side, which there was this other whole side that was not. Oh, no, like, I mean the yeah. not human side. Yeah, the like not. It, yeah, it captured the like boss leaning on the desk with the coffee yeah. mug. <laughs> yes. And so... I I think one of the things I've loved about myself evolving over time is that I always genuinely wanted to bring the human aspect yeah. into the world and into the workplace, but it was not welcome. Now it's like what Gen Z really thrives on is if you as the manager can lean into much genuine human connection as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Don't try to get too corporate Can I say that? What's the word? Just inauthentic. Maybe just inauthentic. Well, yeah, because you I actually saw, uh, I think it was on Google Trends the other day, one of the top search things has been um, the psychological safety concept. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, we often work with teams on how do you create safety and trust on the team. It's always interesting to me how there's like some quick ways to build trust. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people tend to think, oh, we just need to have um, years and years of seeing you not fail me to be able to trust. Right. (laughs) I always think that one's interesting. And then there's one more in the middle, which is what you're naming, which is just, if you're just, if the way you interact is more normal and real, not contrived or forced, that also builds tons of trust. Tons of trust. Tons of trust. Because if you look at people who naturally build trust easily, Mm -hmm. or like the people with woo, or, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe like, it's often, that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're just talking very natural with you instead of, um, okay, now I'm in a business setting, so I'm going to change how I talk. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge part of building the trust. It was funny when we were at this workshop this last week, Tracy and I were doing one for the team and we were talking about genuine communication. And one of the leaders said, I hate it when people start saying the thing, but they're saying nothing <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because they're just dancing around the circle of something. And yeah. she's like, Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, but somehow when we get nervous, we can tend to step into that. Yeah. Like, so it was a funny call out there. Under the caring topic, when we work with new managers, 
some of them are really in awe over the small tip that we give them, Steve, on just having one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. This, in this particular generation too, I think is absolutely essential because you, if you will have a, a cadence with, first of all, any new person just coming out of college, they have so much to learn and so much to absorb. If you can get that 30 minute cadence with, with a new hire, Gen Z, then the caring piece, you're going to be able to establish some, a relationship and figure out how they are motivated. It's very similar to curiosity because Gen Z's value so deeply, um, genuineness, authenticity, purpose, having meaning at work, not just, it's not just punching the clock. It's not just a job. Mm -hmm. It has to have actual meaning. And so, so much of that is caring about them as a person. Mm -hmm. If you're my manager Sunday and you don't care at all about me as a person Mm -hmm. and I'm a Gen Z, then I'm like, well, then why am I even here? This job doesn't have any purpose or meaning Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's part of why the caring is so important because it, communicates that that there is actual purpose in Mm -hmm. this and it's not just a job that's separate from my life because that's Mm -hmm. you called it out before it's one of the fears there of gen z is like no work can't be this separate thing that isn't representative of me right otherwise like why am i wasting my time Mm -hmm. with it Mm -hmm. and in the caring that so many of them often talk about purpose too we know that one came up a lot yeah and sometimes the purpose comes through the relationship of caring too yeah. like even if they're not loving their jobs some of them feel like well my manager truly cares i mean how many how many times did i even get some negative comments on my youtube about that because they're they're saying i don't the number one they they don't want to work for someone who doesn't care about them yeah they said it so many times yeah i like to put the the conversation of values underneath that because uh-huh. I have values that I bring to the table, but so does the individual, the Gen Z that we're talking about today. And so to not assume, no, again, it's back to that thing where I don't want anyone to assume anything about me, to assume that just because I was motivated by this as a new hire out of college, mm-hmm. that they're going to be, that they're going to have the same set of, value, of values there. It's completely changed. The example, Dana is another coach and we were talking about it. And mm-hmm. even my husband, who's a professor, my God, the conversation around college right now, there is so much because the values have changed. The story was different before it was like, get into the very best, be in the Ivy League, right? Now they're like, I mean, even the younger generation is still saying, we don't even care where you went. Yeah. They're like not impressed by that anymore. It's more like, what did you experience? What friends did you make? What are your stories? What did I learn? What did I accomplish and finish? Not where I went. So there's those assumptions that I'm trying to lean into here around not pushing the, the same value sets. They've changed the values, not just even for the individual, the values of their generation have changed. And one of the big values that shifted that I think is part of why caring matters so much is the value of you just need to show up, punch the clock and get your job done so you can put bread on the table. Like that whole phraseology was like a thing. It was like if there were memes at the time, that would be the biggest one. Yeah. And, and so then they're telling the next generation, like, you just gotta, you just gotta like buckle down and get it done. Yeah. Which makes sense when you're talking great depression, world wars, like, yes, you that's, that would be how it feels. But this generation has a, no, there needs to be purpose or I'm out. Yeah. And so like caring about each other is what makes it matter. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not just going to be a cog in the wheel. They want to just that it's a really great thing. They want people to be seen as people. Yeah. Not just yeah. as exactly as you said. So but I don't know. It is an interesting framing with caring. Mm-hmm. It gets me thinking more about it too. 
So the next one is around clarity. And there's two kinds of clarity that feels like it would be helpful in the manager relationship with Gen Z. It's the why and where do they stand? Mm -hmm. So the clarity in the purpose and the mission of what they're doing is really important to them because they want to feel like their time and energy is going towards something that they understand their purpose. Now, listen, the purpose doesn't necessarily have to be like, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think purpose, I I go right to like Mother Teresa. Like, so I go to these extreme examples. Uh-huh. But but just like in one of your episodes re- recently, you talked about um, the purpose could be just really understanding what it is that I do that contributes to the next thing, wh- whatever, whatever step I am oh, in the I, process. One of the things I've experienced personally and then hear over and over from people who are in corporate land and leave to do their own thing is one of the most fulfilling things that that provides the most purpose, and this is true for me too, is actually completing tasks and projects. Yeah. It's that. Because in corporate world, it's very rare that you get to complete anything. Right. And it's so fulfilling to go home at night and know like what I did today. Because there were so many days I didn't know what the heck I did. I was like, did I do anything? Yeah. I don't know. And (laughs) to your point, that's not Mother Teresa purpose. That's just simply having... uh, but it is. It's purpose of like, I served a purpose today. Yep. I actually contributed mm-hmm. to the world today. And if you go day after day after day of feeling <laughs> like, what what am I doing and what am I contributing to? It it can make them very it's discouraged. It's one of the yeah. underlying dissatisfactions mm-hmm. for and why Gen Z is like, mm-hmm. no, work. there needs to be some kind of, it needs to matter, not just kind of showing up and pushing paper. Yep. The point that you made is the clarity of knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and where I stand. Yep. And one one part of that that stands out to me is um, as a manager, if if you struggle with this or maybe sometimes the manager is like, well, I didn't get coddled that much. Why do I have to do that? Mm-hmm. Hey, okay, just set all that aside mm-hmm. and just do this. Have, to your point, have one-on-ones. Have mm-hmm. a one-on-one with each person you manage and just simply prepare ahead of time one or two bullet points of like why what you do Sunday matters. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be the big mother, Teresa. It's mm-hmm. just, hey, here's why the work you do matters mm-hmm. for the team, for the customers, for the mission we have. And just share that. And I think it's those type of little things that gives the sense of clarity of why I'm doing what I'm doing and where I fit in. And, and also the other thing that comes to my mind around the where is they they often want to know where things could potentially go towards as well. True, yeah. Like where the career path is. And what I'm Uh feeling is that back to my generation of, it felt like we always had to guess those things. Nobody Mm -hmm. was really saying, I really love the way you did this. Or here, let's talk about the progression of what could come next. It was always like, uh. Well, and it's funny because even with the organizational, I've seen this in some companies where Gen Z's want to know where is the company headed? Yeah, where is the company? And the leaders headed? are afraid. Like, well, we can't say because we. What if it doesn't go that <laughs> right. way? And and I almost laugh because it's like, well, remember they change all the time. They're right. used to a world that changes. Uh, They're but, not yeah. afraid of that. They just want to know what you're thinking. They just want to know yeah. what you're thinking mm-hmm. and what I'm part of. Yep. Is this something I want to be a part of? You Absolutely. know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a manager managing Gen Z's, here's what I would just say: where to start. I would think about whether or not I'm bringing my own assumptions into the relationship that I'm managing and try to see the person for, get curious about the actual individual. And, but how to do that was, I would give them the structure of, if you're not having one-on-ones with them, have one-on-ones with them where you can help them figure out what their purpose in their job is and also what their path is in moving forward. If you can articulate 
those things, that's a great start for you as, as a manager. 